0: Welcome to the Makeshift Happen podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Daly, entrepreneur, life coach, and your no BS bestie, here to bring you all things mindset, manifestation, and personal development. This podcast is designed to help you expand your mind and up level your life. So turn the volume up and roll the windows down if you're coming along for the ride. Let's go, Makeshift Happen. Welcome back to the podcast, you guys. Today, I have a really special guest with us. I'm joined by my beautiful new friend and sister, Susie Perry. I'm so excited for you guys to hear from her and learn from her. If you've been listening to the podcast, you may have heard in a recent episode where I recapped our trip to Tulum about the experience that I had in a breathwork session that Susie guided us through. And I just felt like it was really important for me to bring her on the podcast and share more of her background and her journey and how Deeply, she's been able to not only heal herself through this magical form of hypno breath work, but also how she's bringing that to the world and so many other people. So I am beyond delighted to bring her to the show today and grace you with her presence. Before we bring her on, I'm just going to share a little bit of Susie's bio. So in 2017, Susie learned the significance of the breath after she sustained a traumatic brain injury and breath became her life force. And the the foundation to rebuild her mind and her entire life. In that moment, she chose to take the empowered option and for 14 months while she was totally bedridden, she harnessed this tool of breath and now qualified in the alchemy of breath and hypno-breath work, Susie is highly passionate about sharing this miracle with you. So we are so excited to hear from you. Welcome to the show, Susie.
1: Oh. Oh, what a lovely intro. Thank you, Sam, so much. It's just been such a pleasure to get to know you over the last month since meeting in Tulum. I
0: feel like sometimes there's people that you meet and there's just like a, a connection there where you're like, oh, this is a soul sister. And that's just how I felt when I met you. I was so intrigued by you. And also your energy is just so like angelic and peaceful and calming and beautiful. I was like, I have to get to know this Susie person. And then the breathwork session, you totally blew my mind. And I was like, wow, okay. You know, we've got to bring more of this to my community and to other parts of the world. So yeah, it was just like such a, a beautiful, serendipitous way to meet you and to like come into your
1: work. So thank you for that. Mm, yeah such a pleasure and just so your community knows like within 24 hours i was calling you a a little firecracker because i was just so impressed by your energy and like everything you put out into the world and your quickness of action and you know we can talk about that later about how quickly you've been taking action on your breath work but just, yeah, just love everything you're putting out. Thanks. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you do. You call me that the little firecracker. <laughs> <laughs> like I love that. Um, so, okay. We love all of the woo here mm. and I know that you do as well. So tell us a little bit about what makes you, you in terms of some of these spiritual tools that we lean on, like, astrology or the Enneagram or human design you know give me some like you know what is Susie in all of those realms
1: mm, that is such an interesting question because to be totally honest I have been checking those back mm. removing so the I've labels been, well, not even removing labels removing the tools because so I've been like, really deep in the spiritual world for 10 years now and you know i have everything in my house crystals cards astrology like astrology charts everything you can possibly imagine i have but sometimes what i find is that i look outside of myself for all the answers to the cards to the astrologer to the psychic and what i've found since starting my breathwork journey actually is that sometimes all of the tools that I have are wonderful and I love them, but they can also be a distraction from my own inner voice. So actually nowadays, before I go to any of those tours, I check in with me and actually I won't read any astrology forecast. Usually I'll read it afterwards and be like, yeah, absolutely. Of totally. course I knew that was happening and that totally <laughs> makes sense. But what I'm always truly following is my own inner guidance.
0: Mm, I love that. So I'm a sacral authority. And I think there's something about that that really resonated with me in terms of human design, because I felt like that same way that I've always just kind of known. And I think that's what all those tools help us Mm. do anyway, is like you said, you read it in retrospect and you're like, oh yeah, totally. That makes sense. Right. You have a natal chart reading and you're like, yep, that tracks uh, or you, you know, discover your human design and you're like, wow. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Like, I think there is, it's all a, uh, it's a, it's a mirror. It's a reflection. It's a, it's a new way to represent something that's already a knowing deeper within us. So yeah, yes. thanks for sharing that. I think that gives people permission too to feel like they don't need all of the Mm. fancy schmancy tools and things all the time in, in order to be connected with themselves or their intuition or a deeper sense of spirituality or something like you don't have to be into the tarot or care about astrology or whatever. That doesn't mean that you are, or you are not a certain, you know, level of spiritual being right I think there's yeah. a big misconception around that too where we think oh these are the tools that spiritual people use so in order to become a spiritual person I need to grasp onto those tools and understand them.
1: Mm, totally and I think as I've progressed along my path and just got such a deep trust within myself like previously I'd always looked to those tools for answers like give me answers you know my psychic on speed dial my astrologer on speed dial my like I wouldn't go anywhere traveling around the world without like five packs of cards oracle cards angel cards tarot everything you know and I kind of felt like lost without them but like and then it's like it's okay I can actually just trust myself
0: (laughs) Yes, totally. I think, and I talk about self-trust all the time, even in a business sense. I always say self-trust is my main business strategy. That's the way that I run my business is through self-trust, is through tuning inward, knowing what I desire, feeling the spark of creativity and letting that unfold and following that. Like it's all rooted in self-trust and knowing like what I want to create and what I desire and where I'm feeling drawn to or led is the right place because I feel that feeling. So I think that's a beautiful remembering for everybody too, of like self-trust. I think like self-trust just changes everything. Like really, when you really truly trust yourself, I just think everything in your life changes.
1: Yeah, totally. But you know, to get there, often there's a lot of like societal conditioning that we have to strip away first.
0: Totally. Yeah. Okay. So let's, I want to give everybody, cause I remember we at one of our dinners in Tulum, we were chatting, you were sitting next to me and you kind of, I kept, I was so curiously asking you more and more questions. And so you kind of told me like a lot of, of your story and I just think yeah. it's so fascinating and inspiring. So I want to share that at least, you know, as much as we can get to today with the listeners. So obviously I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that the way that you kind of came into the arena of breath and harnessing this tool of breath work was after your traumatic brain injury. But I also know from what you've told me that there's been many other things in your life and in your health that you've been able to heal cancer, Mm. the traumatic brain injury, autoimmune disease, like there are so many people just are dying to know, how Mm. did this happen? How did this work? What is the story? So like, where do we even begin?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Where do we even begin?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What do you feel like Mm. came first for you? what was the first big hurdle in your health that maybe pushed you to look into these more Mm, holistic mm. ways of healing?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think this leads on really nicely to what we were just chatting about the trusting yourself and listening to yourself. Um, Because I used to be a real wild child. I worked in the music industry for 10 years, partied till the cows come home go out on a Friday night, come home Sunday. Just didn't know how to look after myself at all. And, you know, I didn't know myself. I had a, like, I was kind of in this, just escapism partying route until I got sick. And then suddenly, like, I was being told that I had to have the most awful surgery. It was a vulvectomy, Um which I know you know about, which is where they cut out your vagina and they wanted to rebuild it with skin from my mouth. And I'd never had any intuition or any like guidance for my body at that point. I hadn't gone on any spiritual journey at this point, but I had this like, I went to three different doctors looking for answers. They all said exactly the same thing. Yet I still had in the pit of my stomach, just like, no, this isn't my story. This isn't my journey. And so I followed that out of against all the Western doctors, against all my family's opinion. I went and found a Chinese doctor, packed a whole suitcase full of two months of herbs and moved to a Buddhist healing center in Thailand and lived on my own with the Buddhists and like really learn a meditation practice to start tuning in and listening to my body because when you're on a healing journey everyone has their two pence piece of what you should do what helped their friend or their mother or their father you know everything that and it's so important that we tune into ourselves and listen to what is right for us because we're not all just one size fits all. Mm.
0: Were you I'm just so intrigued by that big decision to pack up your things and move to Thailand, you know, in the middle of a cancer diagnosis, which is mm-hmm. obviously such a, you know, it's an emotional upheaval. It's a large questioning of your life and your health and what will happen, and, and leaving your family and your hometown and all of that to go to Thailand and just enter into this complete world of unknown and just kind of like hope for the best that these people would be able to help you. Like what, what really sparked that decision? And were, were there any fears there around what if, what if this is just totally crazy and like, I need to actually get, actually get help. Did you ever have like any back and forth in your mind with your ego of like, oof, you know, should I actually do
1: this? Is this going to work? Were there, was there any self-doubt present? Well, actually I had met the lady who ran the Buddhist Healing Center previously. So I knew her when I'd traveled to Thailand before and I knew what she was like. And so I just knew in this pit of my stomach, this is where I need to go. My family were giving me so many battles in England. You know, like everyone is so scared for you get on the surgery table, just desperately trying to push me into their way that actually I just knew I needed to get out because I needed to deal with my way and not have all the pressure from everybody wanting me to do what they wanted to do.
0: Mm, Yeah. So what happened in the Buddhist temple? What did you learn? What unfolded? How did you heal Mm,
1: well, that was just the start of my healing journey, you know, that was what, like, the I started drinking the Chinese herbs every single day, started meditating every day, started tuning into my body, started to listen into my own body and just get that body-mind connection and um, learned a lot of fasting techniques for healing and, yeah, I just learned to follow my own dharma basically so that when I came back to England I was already on my path I was very solid in how I wanted to heal myself and I wasn't going to be swayed and it's interesting because I could actually see my tumours and I could actually see that they had started to shrink within those two months so as soon as I got back to England I had all the letters from the doctors you need to come back where are you da 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 quite pressurizing letters but I just kept putting them off. And then I I waited till four months. I finally went back to the doctors. I showed my doctors and she was just like, "Um, well, no human can actually do this. No normal civilian can do this. So therefore we must have misdiagnosed you. Just carry on doing what you're doing. (laughs) We
0: must have misdiagnosed you. They, They didn't really, did you feel like it was a, a dismissal or was it like, a, oh my gosh, you're doing something so amazing. Keep doing it. Uh,
1: they No, because they can't, I don't think they can actually say that, you know, it kind of has mm-hmm. to be a dismissal because it's like, you know, they can't admit that actually we can heal ourselves, but we can.
0: yeah. yeah. Wow, Okay, so you go back to the doctor and they say, "Whoa, you know, this doesn't seem possible. We must have misdiagnosed you. I guess continue on your path." Mm-hmm. And that you did. What were you doing? Mm-hmm. like what what were you doing in that time that you felt was really helping you progress in terms of, reducing the tumors and minimizing the, you know, the experience of whatever pain was going on, or Mm. I guess managing your symptoms of the cancer at that time, were you like, maybe people listening are like imagining you meditating like all day long and like, you know, doing the Dr. Joe Dispenza Mm. thing of like picturing the tumors getting smaller. Like Mm. what, what were you, what were you actually doing?
1: Yeah. Okay. So to, when you choose to go down the natural route of healing, it's, it's so funny because someone said to me the other day, they were just like, oh, did you just like sit back and let your body do its thing? I was like, no, if your body has been able to make cancer cells, then you have seriously compromised your immune system. Therefore, you seriously need to work at bringing it back to work for you. So I actually went and did something called the Gerson therapy where I had to juice 11 times a day, every single hour, fresh, every single hour. I had to do four coffee enemas every single day. I had to make three special meals every single day, two special soups, one liver injection and about 40 different pills every day. And I did that for one year, one year. I literally would have about a 45 minute gap every single day where I could leave the house. Otherwise I was just chained to my juicer and chained to my enema bucket.
0: Oh my gosh. For a year, a year, a year. Oh my gosh. What were the juices? Like what were you juicing?
1: So believe it or not, there were five um, green juices, one orange juice and the rest were carrot I know it sounds so strange, but it was mostly carrot juices and I literally turned orange. You know, like they talk about how if you drink a lot of carrot juice, you turn orange. I turned so orange to the point that some people used to say to me, oh, you need to rub that fake tan. And I'm like, no, no. That's my <laughs> it's pigment. Just, it's just my carrot juice. <laughs> oh my gosh. I did actually have a
0: have a doctor tell me once um, that carrot juice was really helpful for the liver. I don't know if that's like Mm. what it, what it was working towards, but how much do you hate carrots now? Cannot look at them. (laughs) I bet. Wow. Yeah. I think like, you know, there's so many of us that have certain things going on with our health or in our lives that are not ideal. Maybe there's little things that Mm. bother us or that are, you know, symptoms that we have, but we're not really willing to commit to the journey of healing until sometimes we feel like we're forced and it's Mm. like this or death, you know? And I think that even I've experienced this, there's things that I want to heal within myself, within my immune system, within my womb, within my menstrual cycle, with my skin, with other things. And, and I, I find myself sitting in this place of conscious awareness of I could and should be doing more. Why am I not? Mm. So I think it's so interesting to hear your story of such commitment to the journey Because thinking about doing four enemas a day and juicing 11 times a day and having everything have to be fresh, made by hand, like it's just, you can't even live, you can't even live your life during that year. It's just commitment to healing.
1: I had to actually get help in. So the lady, I used to run a real estate business. The lady who was my assistant in my office came to be my assistant and helping me chop and peel vegetables every day it was so intense and you have to be so committed to healing but you know what sam i think like if it was any other part of my body i might have just given it to them but not that Mm. part of my body you know and Mm. that's why i know that like that was not my story if it was you know no one wants to lose that but they were talking about rebuilding my clitoris Like you're just not willing to give that part of my body away, but I might have given another part away. But I'm just so glad I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's such a I mean,
0: obviously there's a there's a larger purpose to this journey that you're on Mm. and all the lessons that you've learned and all the healing that you've done. And now the healing that you're bringing to so many people through the work that you're doing today. And I, I think sometimes it's almost like we love to hear that, but at the same time, it's like that's a shitty consolation prize for having to have gone through. You know, it's like, oh, it's great to know that I went through the ringer so that I could have this greater purpose, but also, like, we can honor that, like that was really hard, and like that sucked, and like it's not fun, and you know it's not like this glamorized thing of like, oh, and now, you know, I have all the lessons and the healing and da-da-da-da. it's like, well. Yes, but also that was really, really challenging. Like that was a, a big challenge in the journey. <sighs> so I know that you, before all of this, you mentioned that you had a real estate business. Mm. Did what did your relationship to your work? Like what happened to that when you got sick and then you had to go to Thailand and then come back and just be fully committed to this journey of healing and basically be in your house all day, juicing and shitting, like what what happened to your work and and how did that impact you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm quite fortunate in that I have a rental business, so I, I own a portfolio of properties and I would have the rental income still incoming and I had an assistant, so she helped me a lot but I just had to put it all on the back burner. Mm. Yeah. So I did no more projects, no more big projects.
0: What was that like for you? Like, did that feel like, did that feel scary in any way? Like in terms of where you were at energetically, either like being maybe more in the masculine energy of having this successful real estate business and then being forced to surrender to more of this Mm. feminine energy and really going into the healing. Was there any resistance there of, how can I put this off to the side? Or did it just feel like that was the only option? So you let it be what it was.
1: Yeah, it really did just feel like the only option. I was just like, you know what? I'm committing to this healing journey. And of course, all those little niggling stories come in of like, oh, I'm guilty. I'm letting my family down or I should be earning more money. They all come in. And then you're just like, I, that's my housing business property business, but this is my real home. My body is my real home. And without this, I can't run that. So therefore I am coming back to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like health is wealth takes on a whole new meaning when your body has to be the number one priority and healing yourself. So you do this year of juicing and enemas and you know supplements and all of this beautiful and intense healing work, and then what happens? You get cleared from the cancer.
1: Okay, so this is a fun part of the story. So I managed to like heal my tumours eighty percent with like food, diet, lifestyle, and meditation. There was still twenty percent of them not budging. And I was just like, and after one year of doing the Gerson therapy housebound, I was like, literally going mad in my home. I was like, I feel so depressed. I'm 30 years old. All my friends are down the pub. I'm at home. As you say, juicing, shitting all day. Uh, I saw a one month belly dance course in Thailand and I was like, okay, I'm going to go and belly dance for one month because I just need to dance. And I packed my bags and my enema bucket and my juicer all to Thailand with me again, back to Thailand. And um, went on this one month belly dance course, which I thought was going to be a month of dancing. Literally zero choreographed dancing in it. It was all, what I didn't realize is the teacher is actually a deep uh, feminine embodiment teacher tantra teacher yoga teacher we basically did a month of ceremonies and ritual and deep women's work so in one of our rituals one night we did a yoni puja so in in tantra our yoni is our womb our vagina inner out you know outer labia inner labia vulva clitoris everything they call the yoni so we went into like this yoni ceremony and As we walked into the ceremony, she told us to write a one sentence love note on a balloon. And so you write your love notes on a balloon, put them in the middle of the room. And then she said, choose a random love note. And so I picked up a balloon and the balloon said, you are one of us. And she she said, that is a message to your yoning. So when I read that, it said, you are one of us. Something clicked inside of me. It was like, oh my God, I made them, I made these tumors. Nobody else made them. They are part of me. They are one with me and I'm hating them. I'm just hating them every day. I look at them 500 times a day, scrutinizing them, go away. I hate you. Why are you there? And in that moment I was like, oh my God to get, I, I just need to love them away. The I went into deep ceremony. I wrote letters to my own. I cried for three days, sending them so much love and forgiving myself. And after three days, the last 20% disappeared. Wow. And so this is the power of adding the emotional work with the physical.
0: You guys can't see me right now, but I'm just like, (laughs) I'm in awe. (laughs) I'm just taking in all of this. Wow. Wow. Just wow. That's powerful. Mm. Uh, I think so many people listening to this can be able to relate this to something about their bodies that they've been trying to hate away or hate into healing. Yes. And to awaken that idea that you can't hate your body into change, you can't can't hate your body into healing.
1: Yeah, you can't heal a body that you hate.
0: Wow. That was just like a profound moment for me. So thank you for that. I knew we would have some of those in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Okay. So there's so much more, and I can't wait to get into it. <laughs> so I want to keep following along in the journey. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we heal the cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Amazing. Beautiful, fresh, new perspective on life.
1: Do you go go back to real estate? Was this before the brain injury? Go straight back into the way I was living. (laughs) This is why I feel like the brain injury came because it was like the universe is like, are you listening to me? Clearly not. A really big knock over the head. Yeah. (laughs) Pun intended. So went straight back into the property, went straight back into drinking too much coffee, builders. I didn't ever go back to my partying lifestyle, but you know, I did let things slip a bit. And then a couple of years later, just after I started finally living again, I have an accident where I sustain a traumatic brain injury. Mm.
0: This yeah. was at the at the wedding, right? At the
1: wedding, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Susie told me that she was on this kind of like swing, like a big, fun, cute swing to be on and at a wedding.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it flips upside down and it's on ropes. So imagine when you twist ropes and they untwist themselves, how quickly they untwist. Yeah. And so it flipped upside down and my whole body weight went slamming onto my head, onto concrete. So I was in bed for 9 months and it took me about 14 months before I could even walk just around my local park.
0: That must have definitely awakened something within you. What what was what was your first kind of reaction to realizing the brain injury that you had sustained and what that was going to mean for you?
1: Mm. Well, brain injury is an interesting one because actually it takes a little time to kick in. It's not like, I'll never forget, I was in a neurologist's office one day and the neurologist, imagine a doctor saying these words to you. He actually said to me, it would have been easier if you had a stroke. I was like, excuse me? And it's because people, firstly, people understand the word stroke and they are willing to help you. People don't often understand the word brain injury. So with a stroke, obviously, you can see the effects immediately. You have a bleed and, you know, you lose parts of your body control very quickly and they rush you into hospital and they can help you immediately. With a brain injury, it's a huge blow to the head. So I didn't have any bleeding, but I had a lot of inflammation and a lot of it had moved around. So bruising. And so the effects of that happen over time. So it was like, I've, I didn't end up in hospital until like 48 hours later when I was like, something really isn't right. And it took me about another nine days before I then ended up in hospital again, when things just started to get, things get way worse before they get better.
0: So when you kind of found out that you were going to have to, did they, did they know, did they have a prediction for you that you were going to have to be in bed for that long? Or was that just something that kind of unfolded?
1: No, I got misdiagnosed with um, just a concussion at first and they didn't send me to a neurologist. Mm. And then when things just kept getting worse and six months later, they weren't sending me to a neurologist. I was like, I'm going to go and pay for my own neurologist. And he was like, I cannot believe you haven't been looked after. You have a moderate traumatic brain injury. Wow.
0: Yeah. And what was the course of action that you chose mm. at that point? Once you finally understood what was actually happening, mm. did they give you options for care and you chose something different or mm. how did that unfold?
1: yeah okay so it's really hard with it. I'll be really honest with you like with the traumatic brain injury you just don't understand it you know you're not yourself the world is spinning you can't like I was repeating the same questions over again I was slurring my words and I became really suicidal and to be totally honest with you, Sam, I actually went back into drinking and smoking because I just didn't understand what was going on. No one was giving me answers. Doctors weren't giving me answers. Why can I not function anymore? If this is a concussion, surely that's meant to go in three days. That's what you hear about concussions, right? And it wasn't going and it was getting worse. So I actually went into bad habits. You really don't have and it's you really don't have your mind when you have a brain injury so it's so hard I actually see my cancer healing journey like so easy in comparison to my brain injury because at least I have my mind when you don't have your mind to try and heal it's really hard so I actually went to a really dark place for like the first year and a half very suicidal went back to very bad habits just to try and get me through it and then it was it I managed to find some help. I managed to find a neuroscientist who said, actually, Susie, there is hope for you with stem cell treatment. I highly recommend you have stem cell treatment. So I started doing stem cell treatment that started healing my brain a little bit. And then I found out about hyperbaric oxygen. I started doing hyperbaric oxygen and then I started getting my mind back (laughs) slowly, but surely and could start implement my diet, my lifestyle, everything
0: back
1: in. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. So you've got the hyperbaric oxygen chamber behind you, and you guys mm. can't see this, but it's in Susie's home. She actually has one, which is wild. <laughs> so tell us about like the journey to. Well, explain for everybody first what hyperbaric oxygen therapy is. Like, what do you do when you get inside there? What What actually happens? How does it help it with healing? Because it helps a lot of people heal. Not. this isn't just like a a brain injury specific thing. It helps people Mm. heal lots of things. So for anybody who's like, what the heck is that? Give us like the, you know, dummy proof kind of summary of what it is.
1: Yeah. So when you're in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber, it takes you down as if you're like 18 meters below sea level. At that level, the oxygen molecules are smaller. So you can actually get more oxygen into your bloodstream. You're also breathing through a nasal cannula whilst in the machine 97% more ox- ox- 97% oxygen. So not only are you breathing oxygen in but you can get more into your bloodstream and because of the pressure it can push the blood around to parts of your body that it can't usually get to. So say for example with a brain injury you have the brain damage. The part of the brain that's been damaged and then there's so much inflammation you can't get any blood flow there so then the reason it gets worse before it gets better is because so blood flow can't get there and then all the cells around it start to die too and they start to atrophy so then things start getting way worse as soon as i got in the chamber and could get blood flow to my brain again that's when i started really healing
0: Hmm. Yes. It's so amazing. I want to try one. So I'm going to have to come into your house (laughs) and try it with you someday. So you start doing stem cell and Mm. the hyperbaric oxygen chamber Mm. therapy. You get a little bit of your brain power back. You're feeling more in your body, let's say of, of Mm. knowing how to Guide your healing in that mm-hmm. kind of more holistic realm. Where does like breath work come in to this? When did you discover it, and how did you draw it in as part of the healing of your brain injury?
1: Yeah, so I was so fortunate that I actually discovered breath work a month before my brain injury. So I knew about it so that when my brain injury happened, like and I was a few months in, i I had signed up to all my favorite teachers' email lists when I discovered Breathwork in Bali. And I saw an email saying, there's a 10-month course to be a teacher. Now, at the time, I did not want to be a teacher, but it was a 10-month course on Zoom. And even though I couldn't leave the house and I couldn't have friends come visit me, what I could do was open a Zoom room. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this and sit in bed and open the Zoom room and just breathe for 10 months so that's what I did and how like this is why I'm so passionate about breath because because it helped me so much and it really just helped started shifting my mindset my views on my healings and allowed me to surrender into the process to be honest so yeah I did that 10 month course but I wasn't able to keep up with all like the homework of the course so then my teacher let me do it again when I could do the homework
0: Oh, beautiful. So you kind of did it. You went through it twice. Yeah. Yeah. And that was probably like a beautiful for you to just continue the journey and help your own healing.
1: Having someone hold you in breath for 10 months straight is just wonderful.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. So I want to obviously talk about the magic of breath work and I want you to walk us through why breathwork works like what is mm-hmm. actually happening physiologically in the body or the brain mm-hmm. what is it why 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 does breathwork feel so like transcendental almost like why does mm-hmm. it feel almost like a, a drug experience or like a plant medicine experience what <laughs> what is actually happening
1: okay that's such a great question and I love answering this question because during my brain injury I actually got to see it live because I was doing something to heal my brain called neurofeedback and at one point they have like straps and electrodes all around my head monitoring my blood flow one day my trainer was getting me to uh uh like tell stories he was asking me questions he was getting me to count numbers nothing was getting blood flow to my brain nothing and he said to me Susie do your breathing and I started my breath work and within a second all the screens lit up blood was moving everything was firing up and so to see it live like this I was just in awe because we can access part of our brains that we can't critically think our way into so we're not going to mm. logically think our way into these parts of our minds. We are accessing different parts of our brain that we can't usually get to into our subconscious, into our limbic brain. And these are the parts of the brains you also get to doing part medicine and things like that.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of why it creates this sort of similar, almost almost psychedelic type feeling is because we're accessing, we're lighting up different energy centers in the brain that we don't normally yeah. get to on a daily basis that we can't, you know, just think our way to, like you said, there's nothing intellectually that we could read or study or do or try to solve that would light up those centers the way that this form of breath does, which is just so, so incredible. And I w- I just, I was so enamored with the experience of the breath work that you guided in Tulum. Um, Cause as you know, I've been in the queendom and, you know, we have lots of breath work throughout the, the time in the mastermind, but I had just never, I think there's, there's something also about doing it in person, but there's just, there was something about the way that you guided it and the way that you hold the space and your energy and your voice and your presence. And also I would imagine this beautiful fusion of hypnotherapy with breath work, which is the modality that you've chosen to study under and utilize, which is hypno breath work. Yeah. So tell us about like what's unique, I guess, or what, this fusion of, of hypnotherapy with the breath work.
1: Mm. So obviously what I saw when I was doing the neurofeedback training is that we can access these different parts of our brain. So with my first training, we were accessing parts of the brain and we were getting all these wonderful insights. I wasn't really doing anything with them. So nowadays, I use the breathwork and with the hypnotherapy techniques, we can actually start tapping into our subconscious mind, rewriting those old stories and bringing in new ways of thinking, getting new ideas to take action on, intuitive ideas, for as you know, in the interloom, like with our business, with our family, how to show up in the world. So, that's, I find it a much more powerful tool for really making changes in your life is when we add the hypnotherapy in, we get clear guidance on where we want to go and our next intuitive action steps.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got such clear guidance on where I needed to go and what was important to me in that session, which was Mm. really beautiful. So if you guys listen back to that episode, you will have heard, you know, some of the things that came through for me, which was, you know, one really big thing was this, the first message that came in really like loud and clear, that was like a really strong, just like firm statement was you need to be doing in-person events now, and i just felt that so it was it was almost like this fatherly kind of like energy of like you need to be doing this work and i was like okay okay like receiving that <laughs> marinating in that sitting with that and now we're planning the first retreat because i think when when we get this sort of guidance at least you know i think that it's important for me to take the guidance and actually move with it. And I know that this is what we were talking about at the beginning about like taking action because it's almost like, you know, a lot of people wanna ask the universe for a sign, let's say. I've taught a lot of my clients about how to, you know, ask for a sign and receive it. And that one of the original podcast episodes was about that. And so many people were out there asking for their signs. And something that, you know, I always remind people of is, If you're asking for a sign, you must be ready to receive the answer and move with the answer, right? Because if we're always asking the universe, "Which direction should I go? And is this right for me?" Send me the sign. Show me my sign. Tell me that this is the path that I should quit my job or that I should do this, that, or the other thing. And you receive the sign, and then you push the sign away by not doing anything about it, not actually receiving it, integrating it, moving with it. I just think it creates this this strange relationship or dynamic with the universe, spirit, source, God, guides, whoever you believe in that's like, I'm constantly asking you for guidance and support and you're giving it to me and I'm never accepting it. Mm. I'm never actually taking it. And in human form, when that's happened to us, you know, someone, oh, you have a friend that comes to you all the time for advice. You give them amazing advice and they never take it. They never do anything with it. They do the opposite or they just stay stuck. And then they come back a month later saying, what do I do? There's like, you're just like, what the heck, you know? And I never want to have that relationship with my connection to source, spirit, guides, universe, God, because I want them to be an active participant in my journey. I want to be in the co-creation of what's unfolding in my life. And so if I want them to be part of the co-creation, then I've got to do my part, right? So when, when they come in, when those messages drop in, those intuitive feelings come through, I have to be willing to step up to the plate and say, you know, I asked for this guidance. So now it's my turn to do my 50% of our co-creation deal yes
1: and that's what I love about you is that you always take the action and even just in the short amount of time I've known you you've taken the action so quickly and it's already compounding.
0: yeah I can feel that for sure we obviously we're on like the the journey to finding our home and we talked a lot about this on the retreat and um so when I got back, I really went into that action mode of like, I'm ready to like receive this blessing of, of finding my home and already things have, have started to move. You know, we, we haven't signed any papers or like gotten the exact house yet, but things are progressing so much faster now that I've had that guidance and then, you know, gotten to the driver's seat of where I can take action on it and move forward with, with that. So we're also seeing that progress rapidly, I think because of those two elements of asking for guidance, receiving it, and then, you know, being willing to do the work that is co-creation with the universe. (sighs) Okay. So we've got, I'm so excited to share this with people that we've got um, a brand new program That is coming out very, very soon. By the time people are listening to this, it'll already be available. It'll be launched, open, ready for enrollment. And I'm so excited to share with everyone that Miss. Susie Perry herself is going to be a featured guest inside of the program and she is going to be guiding you guys (laughs) through this magical experience of hypno breath work that we've been talking about. So the program is called Wealth Calibration and it's really all centered around the embodiment of wealth and taking these kind of ethereal visions and ideas and goals and concepts that we have about the idea of wealth and success and beginning to pull them down from the ether and anchor them into the body through a full sensory experience. So as we move through the four weeks of the program, there's going to be different practitioners coming in that are going to guide you through different physical experiences that will help you start to feel the presence and the frequency of wealth and success in your body. And I'm so honored to have Susie be a part of it, and I can't wait for everyone to experience it. So I'd love to just have a little bit of a conversation around how hypnograph work can be something that might help us heal our relationship mm. or the stories that we have around money or around anything. But in this case, you know, we're going to be working on, on wealth.
1: Yeah. Oh, Sam. I just think it's so genius of you to do this calibration of wealth because, you know, we can think our way into, oh, I want to earn this money or, this is what I want, but often we have some subconscious stories running in the background of, I need to work really, really hard for money, or money isn't easy to get, or I can never hold on to money. It all depends on how we were brought up, and the the talk around money in our family home, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, or the limiting beliefs that are subconsciously playing in the background, so we could you know, want to have a certain amount of wealth, but actually our subconscious is still going to be running the show. So actually when we can take it into breath work, tap into our subconscious mind, start rewriting those money stories, start start shifting those blocks from our nervous system. And then we can experientially feel the abundance and the wealth in our bodies. Get that self-trust. Build up that self worth that we are worthy of stepping into that level of wealth, then that that really opens so many more doors for us.
0: Mm. I'm so excited for people to experience this journey. Like, I'm just, I have to tell you also, like, it's such a dream that we're doing this together and that you've said yes and that you're coming in and (laughs) gifting this experience to all the women that are going to join Wealth Calibration. I'm just bursting at the seams with excitement for people to experience your magic.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I cannot wait to be part of this course with you.
0: Yes, it's going to be so good. So if you guys are listening and you want to get in on all of the magic of Wealth Calibration and be in Susie's energy and experience this beautiful gift that she's offering the world, Um, you can go to samanthadaily.com or click the link in my Instagram bio. We will also leave a link in the show notes for you all to sign up and save your seat in wealth calibration during the month of June. So I I wanted to close by asking you a few, um, few, just two questions, Mm. which is, Maybe these are, maybe these are difficult questions or maybe they're rapid fire questions. I don't know. We'll see how they go. But I wanted to know, I was just so curious, like for you, what is the most profound experience that you've had yourself in a breathwork session?
1: Mm. Oh, are we going to talk about orgasms or angels? (laughs) (laughs) Both. (laughs) There's okay. also
0: going to be there's also going to be a a module in wealth calibration that centers around the connection between our pleasure centers and our ability to receive and this connection between pleasure and wealth and money you know love and money are really correlated so why not let's go
1: for it orgasms <laughs> I love that you've got that in your course coming up that is brilliant but yeah I think um, the most profound breath works I've had. It was actually just my third ever breath work. And I went into a breath work in front of 600 people or in a tent with 600 people at the Bali Spirit Festival and I had an orgasm, <laughs> which obviously I just wasn't expecting for my third ever breath work. No, like, you know, I was lying on my breath mat and just breathing, nothing else. And suddenly my body just opened up and that's what it wanted to experience that day. So obviously after that, my next breathwork session, the next day, I was like, oh yeah, I'm ready for my next orgasm. Uh, (laughs) But what I've learned with breathwork is that you can never go in with any expectations. Your body will always give you exactly what it needs. And the following day, I just had the most profound angelic experience with my dad talking to me from the angelic realm. It was just magic. And even as a teacher to like go in with zero expectations of how a class is going to be held, I've realized it's so important, you know, as you know, in Tulum, it was a leadership class and we went so much deeper.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I talked about that in the podcast because I was like, you know, this whole retreat was really uh, centered around business and leadership and, but so many of the things that came through for me and also a lot of the other women were about our personal lives. They were mm-hmm. about the ways that we were conducting our lives in and outside of our business, which I think is, you know, it's just, it's obvious in a sense, because of course, when you are your business, when you are the center of your business, like your life and your business are, are so interconnected and each one flows into the other. So yeah, we, the, the breathwork was around leadership, but you know, aside from the the signal to do in-person events and retreats, everything else that I received in that session was so much more about my life as just like Mm. a woman and my partnerships and my relationships and things that are really important to me.
1: Which is totally going to like be your anchors to up-level your business anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It is all interconnected. Ah, so amazing. Thank you, Susie, so much for sharing your story with us, for sharing your gifts with us and for being one of our incredible quantum calibrators that are going to be inside wealth calibration. I cannot wait for the women to experience you and your magic and the entire program and to just really dive into this world of deeper inner work and lighting up those centers of the brain that we normally can't access. And just having these totally reviving Experiences. Um, so, thank you so much for being here. We are going to tag everything related to the program and also where you can find Susie in the show notes. But I'd love for you to share with everybody where you are online and how they can connect with you.
1: Thanks, Sam. It's been such an honor to be your guest today. I loved chatting, and your community can find me at Breathe with Susie S U Z Y on Instagram. Yay. Amazing.
0: Thank you so much, Susie. Uh, We will see you guys next week and hopefully inside Wealth Calibration. Talk to you soon. Bye.